So today, as we begin our new series called Prison Break, we thought we'd actually have a prison. Isn't this awesome? And uh, I'll tell you one thing about prison. Uh, it's a place I don't want to live in. I feel the closing in effect already, these iron bars and, and uh, the low uh, ceiling in this uh, represents a prison. And of course, people have all kinds of experiences that we feel perhaps that we're in prison. Perhaps you're in a place where you feel like you're locked into experiences or relational dynamics or your body is failing you and you're locked in prison. You're limited. You can't just go roam and do what you want to do because of your, per or your present circumstances. Others, you perhaps are not uh, bound by certain things, but you can learn from those who have been in prison. And we're looking at, during this month and this series, the book of Philippians. I want you to take your Bibles out with me if you have one. And I want to encourage you, electronically or otherwise, that this month that you would consider making yourself a regular visitor to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians, or the letter to the Philippians, was written by Paul. The apostle Paul had been sent by God to establish the church in Philippi in the surrounding communities. And one of the amazing things about Paul's story is Paul was a person of great care and concern for the individuals that he was talking to. Maybe when you read the Bible, you're like, what does Philippians mean? It doesn't mean anything to me nowadays. What, why, why is Philippians any different than Romans or from Mark? Or what makes Philippians any different? And we're going to talk about this this month. And I hope that you become acquainted with the pages of Philippians and the value that Philippians would bring to your life. As we go into the summer, the reality is that we all go into a different mode in Minnesota. True? Some people, they had their church yesterday at Joyful Noise. Others, they go to the cabin. Some people go and their, their life rhythms change. And so if you're perhaps not able to make it to church on a given weekend, I'd still like to challenge you, church, to pull out your Bible and to read through Philippians with us as a church. And maybe go online and watch it when you get back from the cabin on the weekend. It's an amazing experience as we look at the book of Philippians. Let me just set up a few things today for our entire series. One of the things that I'd like you to consider is that Paul was a leader to the body of Christ, to the church world, even though he was in prison. See, he had been sent out. Of course, Jesus interrupted his journey on the road to Damascus when he had this amazing moment where the bright light shone, he was blinded, and Jesus spoke to him and called him to serve him. And then Paul went on a journey of discipleship, and eventually he went out and he established the church in places where no one else would have had the church. And so at one point, he went into Philippi area, and as he went in, he helped to establish a church. He was a church planner, if you will. And he worked with a woman, Lydia. He was connected to leaders in the city, who did not have a faith background, they were Gentiles, who became believers in Jesus Christ, and Paul instructed them. Now, one of the things about Paul that was amazing is that he felt like a true friendship with these people in Philippi. He cared for them. They cared for him. There were no 
big issues. As you read through the pages of Philippians, you'll discover a great, loving, caring relationship, a care for him. In fact, he would speak with language that says that it was almost like they were family. And when he would speak to them, he would speak to them as people that he knew was partnering with his ministry. So even though he was only there in Philippi for a short time, he was still being partnered with, though he went on the road, much like our modern missionaries or people that we support and we pray for. Paul had gone on the road, if you will, and now he's stuck in prison. And the thing about Paul in prison, perhaps you think of Paul as some kind of... Uh, a uh, person that is, is just intellectually smart, and yeah, he had to write from prison. What did he do wrong? Really, he ended up in prison as a result of Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel. But he was a very smart man, and he was a very good leader. He would be a CEO of a corporation, a major leader of a ministry. He knew the tears of authority and leadership development. He was sharp. So if you're in here today and you're like, I'm not in prison. I don't have any problems in my life. I'm not, uh, there's no, I'm not down and out. So what, is, what does this prison break have to do with me? Well, I want you to hear from the voice of one of our forefathers who was an intellectual leader, who was a forceful spiritual leader who worked in signs and wonders and understood levels of management and authority. And he was giving instructions to the people who were not in prison. So though he was in prison, he was empowering people that were outside of prison. And you and I can learn from a leader like that. He was the type of guy that enabled others to succeed. And that was his number one goal. So as you look at the book of Philippians this month, I want you to consider Perhaps you're in a place where you need comfort from someone who has been in prison. Paul's got some good comfort because you're in that prison experience. Or if you're in a place where you're not in prison, remember Paul wrote it to people who were not in prison. He sent it to people to empower and inspire them to go further in their loving relationship with Christ. And today to help me with my sermon is Pastor Nathan Grams, our campus pastor in Maple Grove. And so today, Pastor Nathan, can you let me out of prison? Oh, he's letting me out. He's gonna give it up. Would you give it up for Pastor Nathan Grams? For a moment there, I wondered if I hadn't let Pastor Nate out of prison, what would have happened? But this is such a cool prop. So, uh, so grateful to our creative team for having uh, helped us to really get a feel for what we are going to read through in Scripture. And like Pastor Nate mentioned, uh, maybe there are some people that would feel like you're confined today, that you're in a moment of, of being kind of locked into a season of life that may be fear, it could be depression, it could be financial debt, it could be heartache, it could be isolation. Maybe you're not really that eager to change your circumstances because right now you're living a, at a good moment and you're, you're like, okay, don't, don't fix it if it ain't broke, right? Don't mess with it, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't change it because things are going well. And on a 80 degree uh, sunshine filled day, you know, <laughs> We look at this, and, and, and I loved your response when Pastor Nate said, isn't this awesome? And you're like, eh, you know, it's awesome if you're on the outside, right? Uh, but whatever you're going through, God has wisdom for us today. How many say amen to that, right? 
And I love that, that uh, Paul is not only speaking to that congregation, to the people of Philippi, but he's speaking to us where we are at today. Whatever the circumstance, whatever you may be going through, he has uh, words of encouragement inspired by the Holy Spirit for us today where we are at. Amen? Now, what kind of prayers would you have if you were sitting in prison? You know, if you were, if you were stuck and confined to the space that we see here on the platform. What would, what would your thoughts be like? I mean, you'd have a lot of time to think, have a lot of time to pray. And, uh, and I love what, what the Apostle Paul models for us because he, he could have uh, he turned that into just a, a, a stage of complaints and regrets. But when you read through the book of, of Philippians, and I love, this has got to be one of my favorite books in the Bible, I love how much he emphasizes joy. I love how much he emphasizes gratefulness, being thankful. I love how he talks about unity. And that's, it's almost ironic because he's stuck in isolation, but at the same time, he's got this connection with the people, the fellow believers that are outside of that prison cell. I love how he talks about uh, all the, 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 the good news and, and, and the, having the same hearts with each other and the same heart with Christ. And, uh, and we've got so much uh, to learn from, from the book of Philippians. So I really want to encourage you to make the most of, of reading through this. Pause, listen to what God would speak to you. And uh, we're going to head there in just a moment. I like that uh, we ended up picking uh, the, the title for this series, Prison Break. Uh, if you guys are series watchers or bingers, you might be familiar with that series. And uh, as I'm getting ready to uh, go into the notes for uh, today, I just I wanted to take a moment and, and talk about that series. Remember in the series, one of the characters, uh, he actually ends up trying to get his brother out of jail. And I'm going to look at my notes just for a moment here. Oh, and that's only, it's kind of an insider joke for uh, Netflixers right now, but, and it's not permanent. My son's going to kill me because I stretched it out. Oh, okay. Magic. <laughs> Some of you guys, were, you were about to get up and leave, right? But in the series, the guy tattoos the whole map of, of the prison, you know, after talking to the engineers, so that he can break his brother out. And I like uh, the, not, not necessarily the series itself, but the overarching theme of the efforts that we can make and the, and the cost and the, and the expense that we will go to to be able to break out of the circumstances that we're, that we're stuck in. And uh, sometimes I think our prayers would mostly be filled with, with uh, God, what can you do for me in the midst of this circumstance? And that might be the most logical question, but it's not the right one. We can't start there. We can't say, God, what can you do for me as I'm going through uh, isolation, as I'm going through pride uh, or fear, or as I'm going through shame. Maybe it's a season of busyness, and we realize that it's unhealthy. Maybe we're filled with distraction, and it's hard to focus on the, on the things that really matter in life. Whatever uh, we may be going through, it's, we can't start our conversation with God by saying, Lord, what can you do for me? We'll see through uh, Paul's writings that there's kind of two overarching themes that can be summed up into two questions that I want to I wanna, uh, bring to you today. The first of them is, what is God doing in me? We spend so much time looking at the circumstances that we can often lose sight 
or the fact that God has maybe allowed us to be stuck in here so that he can begin to work inside of us. And we say, Lord, why, why is this taking so long? Why can't I break out? Why am I not able to get free from this? Why am I in a cycle of destruction? Why is there so much pain at this stage of my life? Or why is there, why can I seem to never get traction in my, in my journey of faith? And God will not move our circumstances forward yet because he is first and foremost interested in working inside of us inside of our lives, inside of our hearts. God will usually start a work within you before he will adjust anything around you. How many say amen to that? So whatever you're going through right now, I want you to pause and think and ask the Lord, what are you doing in me? What are you doing in me, Lord? This is the same Paul that wrote, uh, it's such a well-known verse from the book of Romans. And he says in Romans 2, in verse 2 of chapter 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person. How does it happen? By changing the way you think. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation now. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasant and perfect. He starts by working inside of us, by changing our mindset, our perspective, before he will uh, get rid of the bars or before he'll get rid of, of our context or our circumstances or the setting that we may be going through. He's going he's gonna to start working within us. And as he changes that perspective, he changes that, that mindset, he changes that, that view, he changes our, 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 he renews our thinking, then we can begin to see life and understand it and interpret it from his vantage point. We begin to see what is good, what is pleasing, what's perfect. Paul would also write in Philippians, I love this verse, you gotta pull out a pen if you got one and underline it or, or put an asterisk next to it. Philippians 1.6, he says to the believers in Philippi, and I am certain that God who begun the good work within you, everyone say within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Love that. Uh, summer in Minnesota is great, isn't it? Unless it rains all the time. But rain is good too. And uh, I've heard, you know, when we first moved up here, I heard that there's two seasons. There's winter and there's construction, right? And uh, you guys are familiar with that, right? There's, it's like... We, you know, there's less traffic when there's snow plows you know, salting the roads in front of us than, than when there's construction cones all over the place. And it seems like we never, we never see the end of it. Well, uh, you know, we, we've often talked about our, our own lives being uh, under construction, right? And there's cliche phrases and t-shirts and bumper stickers that say, you know, okay, uh, be patient. I'm, I'm an unfinished work in the hands of God or something to that effect, right? We use that for others. But we often should say that to ourselves. We need to remind ourselves that God is still at work within us. How many say amen to that? And we need to be mindful of this and embrace the work that he is doing within me. So what is God doing inside of me? It starts on the inside. I want to read a couple different portions of Philippians in the first chapter and uh, a couple verses in, in the second chapter to just point out the things that God is doing within our lives. Philippians 1, 9 and 10. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters. Isn't that a great phrase? 
I want you to understand what really matters. I'm going to say it again. I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. He is cultivating love within me. What is God doing inside me? He's growing and cultivating love within me. He's giving me wisdom and understanding and insight. He's uh, showing me what really matters in life. How often do we get, uh, we get stirred up or fed up or, or just anxious or stressed out because of things that don't really matter? We end up really majoring on the minors of life. We end up, we, we end up blowing up for things that are they're just not really, the, at the end of the day, they're not that crucial or critical. And God is the one that will help us sort through that and really figure out the things that matter in life. He is establishing purity of life in me, not only in the sense of, of, of walking in holiness, but living a, a life that's not a contradiction, living a life that, that is pure, a life that is regretless, a life that is filled with, with, with hope, with joy. That's, Paul is experiencing this, and he's praying it over the believers who are on the outside. He should be saying, hey, you, you know, he's, this is a thank you note, the letter of the Philippians. But he should be saying, guys, thanks so much for what you sent. I actually need some more here. So please, uh, next time, could you, could you uh, expedite the uh, delivery of your gifts? You know, it's kind of boring in here. It's lonely. Come and visit. You know, he's not complaining to them. He's actually on the inside encouraging them wherever they're at. Philippians 1, 29 and 30 says, for you have been given... Not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. Yeah, you heard that right. And this is hard for us to embrace in the land of the American dream, the land of, uh, of, of, of loving comfort uh, above so many other things. Paul is saying, actually God is saying through Paul, that suffering can be a privilege. Amen. That there is, there is seasons in our life where we are meant to embrace pain and suffering. I'm not saying you need to go all sadistic or, or, uh, you know, or, or, or you know, try to look for pain when you're not at that place. But when you're going through suffering, ask yourself, what is God doing in me? What is God doing in me? Paul says God has given you the privilege of not only trusting Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. He is teaching me to trust him. He is redefining the concept of suffering in my mind. He is reminding me that I'm not alone. We are in this struggle together. You guys know I'm in the thick of it right now. You guys know I'm in prison, but we're in this together. He is not going to allow himself to feel like he's in, in, in solitary confinement or he's isolated or, or broken off from, from his brothers and sisters who are on the outside. He knows that there is a bond and a connection that goes beyond distance, beyond geographical uh, location. There's something that is larger that connects us, that unites us, and, it's, and it can't be broken through a set of bars that would confine him at that point. He knows that he is not alone. 
the Lord is with him and God has surrounded him with a family. This reminded me of that, that great portion. Uh, if you want some extra credit reading uh, for the summer, read 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, it's a story of, of, uh, of Elijah the prophet. He's already had this duel with, uh, with the, the, the false prophets of Baal and Asherah and, and he's overcome and then he gets threatened to, uh, to get killed by the evil queen Jezebel and he's fleeing. He goes into a depression. And each time God approaches him to, to lift him up, to feed him, to encourage him, he says, I'm alone. There's no one else. I'm the only one left. And, uh, and God has to remind him that he's not alone, that there's 7,000 that have not bent their knee, that he is not alone. That may be for, for you today. I mean, there may be uh, some people who specifically need to hear that this morning. You are not alone. Allow God to work in you and remind you and show you that you are not alone wherever you're at, whatever you're going through. He is working in you. I love that that uh, he continues in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 3. If you'll go there with me, he says, don't be selfish. The thing about selfishness is so hard to uh, identify in ourselves. Uh, we, we're in, in, in kind of a narcissistic uh, stage of our culture now with with kind of, you know, being so uh, caught up with, with ourselves and, 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 and the convenience for me and the comfort for me and, and, and just kind of a selfie stage of, of, of history now. And he's saying, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Don't feed off the praise or the, uh, or, or the feedback that you get from others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, this is, okay, don't, he's not trying to feed a low self-esteem here. He's saying, consider others. Break out of the prison of selfishness and begin to look and notice others that are around you. Consider them. God has placed them around you. Don't look only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So what is God doing in me? He's changing my attitude. He's helping me to overcome selfishness. He's reminding me that I don't need to feed on the praise of others. And he's giving me a sense of, of, of the heart of Christ. He's killing the pride within my own heart. He's changing my approach to life and my attitude. All of these things are happening inside of me before God changes the circumstances around me. Amen? Amen. So, independent of any of the circumstances you may be going through, my question for you, the question that I need to ask myself, you know, we could almost pull out our phones and put on the uh, selfie uh, function on our cameras and look at ourselves. This is a moment not to talk to the person next to you, but have a conversation with yourself right now, okay? And ask yourself, am I discovering what truly matters in life or am I majoring on the minors? Am I experiencing purity of life or have I settled for living a contradiction? Am I choosing to grow in love or has my love grown stagnant? Am I fighting to kill pride? Do I reject pain and suffering, or am I allowing God to teach me through it? Love some of the different things that C.S. Lewis uh, had to say about, about pain, about suffering. He says in one of his writings, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers in our pleasures, speaks 
in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Megaphones were probably the best uh, analogy he could have used mid 20th century, right? Uh, but he's saying pain is when God speaks the loudest and he gets our attention through pain. When you experience pain next time, instead of uh, running from it, pause and ask yourself, what is God doing in me? And if you can't hear anything or come up with anything, ask him, Lord, what are you doing in me? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to change in me? Another one of, the, of, of C.S. Lewis's quotes, he says, we are promised sufferings. They are part of the program. We were even told, blessed are those who mourn, and I accept it. It's got a great book called The Grief Observed. Charles Dickens said, suffering has been stronger than all other teaching. And I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, depress you today on this beautiful 80 degree sunny day. And you got to go out and find a way to suffer. Uh, no, I'm saying when you find yourself in the midst of suffering, don't run from it. Listen for God's voice in the midst of that. He is at work within you. He is at work within you. It may be uh, financial hardship. It may be relational uh, breaking that's happening around you. It may be sickness and infirmity. It may, be, it may be things you don't really know where they're coming from. Whatever you're going through, he is at work inside of you. And he will complete that work, remember? He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to leave you and say, ah, what a waste of effort. I should have never even started uh, renewing or sanctifying this individual. No, he, if he started a work in you, he already knows the end of the story. And he knows that you're well worth his time and effort. Second question, and we're going to, this is our second and final question. What is God doing through me? In prison, rather than saying, what is God going to do for me? You say, what is God doing in me? And now you're going to say, what is God doing through me? I love uh, the Apostles Paul's example for us. We, we resist uh, the interest in God to do what he's doing for us. We need to pay attention to what he's doing through us. Do you know that we're here for a higher purpose than our own personal comfort? God has a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a mission for us. Paul understood this, and he modeled it. And uh, I want to read a couple verses in, in chapter 1 again, verse 12 and through 14. Look at what he says to the Philippians. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and speak boldly God's message without fear. Everything that has happened to me, I interpret in terms of the purpose and the mission that God has for my life. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me has actually played out quite well because I've been able to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Whatever my circumstance, I'm not trying to break out of that or get free of it without understanding if God wants to use me in that prison cell, in that situation, that scenario where I'm at. And I understand that wherever I'm at, I am on mission. How many say amen to that? Wherever I'm at. Sometimes I resent that. 
Uh, remember when we uh, went to a trip to uh, Punta Cana in Dominican Republic last year, Analia and I did, celebrating our 15th anniversary. And, uh, and, and we stayed at a resort that was a, it was a timeshare resort. And so we got, you know, we got tagged and, uh, and they ushered us into a room and, and served us uh, some cappuccinos and, and, uh, and locked the door. And so it was much like this. And I wanted to go to the bathroom. They're like, not quite yet, okay? So I was like, oh, you know, I'm not at a beach resort anymore. I'm kind of I'm stuck here. And so we'd been through this before, and we got the whole pitch on, you know, okay, what do you guys do? Where would you like to go in the world? How much do you guys spend on vacation every year? And, uh, and I was like, we always look for family and, like, camp in their backyard. <laughs> and and uh, good luck, you know, selling us anything. And... Uh, <laughs> After listening, and then you're like, no, but you can use credit. You know, this is the best investment. Memories, you know, and they showed us all these different videos of all the different resorts they're connected to. And I was like, thank you, but no thank you. Thank you, but no thank you. Thank and I was to my wife. I was like, they're going to try to go for you. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't smile. Don't show excitement, which is impossible. She's like, she is excitement, embodied, right? And so it's not, you know, and they're like, they're, you know, pitching it to me and then looking at her right away. And I was like, you know, kicking her under the table. And they know all this is going on. They got cameras everywhere, you know? And, uh, and finally, they let me go to the bathroom. And so I get up and I go to the bathroom and I'm, and I'm in there and I'm like washing my face. I'm like, I want to get back to the beach. And, and I hear the voice of the Lord say, I want you to go and, and, uh, and share the good news of Christ with, with this uh, vendor. It's like, Lord, I'm on vacation, God. I know I'm, a, you know, I'm in the ministry, but I'm on vacation, Lord. Could you pick another moment? Lord, this is PTO. You know, I'm not. Rest is good. The father took a day off after creating. Let me take some time off too, you know? And so, um, but he kept on insisting in my heart. So, and I was like, okay, yes. And I, and I went back, we sat down and, uh, and I said, thank you so much. And I, and I said, you know, you've been, you've been really good at, at what you've done. You've shown me so many different places I hope to visit someday. And we're, not, we're just not able to do that right now, but I wanna commend you. You're, you're a really good salesperson. And I said, and you know what? Like you know, I'm a pastor. And, uh, and I think, you know, we are both in the business of persuading people. And uh, <laughs> tables turned right away. And then I locked, <laughs> I locked the thing. I was like, you cannot go to the bathroom till I'm done with you. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and then I said, you know, I... I love the places you showed me, uh, but really that's how much time do I have left to enjoy that kind of a thing. What are you doing to invest in eternity? What are you gonna do? You know, there's a place that's better than all these things summed up. What have you done? What are you leveraging today for your eternity? And then I said, I wanna pray with you, and we can do it with our eyes open if you want, if your manager's looking or whatever. I don't wanna put you in an uncomfortable spot. What can I pray for for you? And we ended up praying, praying for her mom who was having shoulder surgery, and, and she actually held her hand. She, was, uh, she had kind of strayed from faith. She had been a believer as a little girl. And so God used that moment. Wherever we're at, we are on mission. If you're working, 
Sometimes I'm like, Lord, I want it. This is a long airplane flight. Please don't ask me to be, you know, that chatty person sharing the good news with the one next to me. And he's like, okay, you can sleep now. But then sometimes he's like, no, you need to speak. And so wherever you're at, you're on mission. Final verse I want to read is Philippians 1.30. We are in this struggle together. For you have seen my struggle in the past, and you know I'm still in the midst of it. And actually, the, he, he's, he's knowing that they're together. And uh, I, Philippians 1.5, let me read that to you. I know I said I was going to do the final one, but this is the real final one now, okay? <laughs> For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. We can't have the mindset and the attitude of Christ without getting the heart of Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, you will inevitably be infected by his compassion for others. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will not be able to live a selfish life. If you're a follower of Jesus, you will seek to do good to those who are around you. You will not, selfish ambition is not going to be the, the pushing force inside of your life. And you know what? True compassion cannot be constrained by programs. I love the things we all do together and the synergy and the energy that we can do when we accomplish great things together as a church. But if that's the only moment when you clock in and clock out with your compassion, then something is off. True compassion cannot be outsourced to the professionals either. Paul says we're all partners in this. And you've been involved in sharing the good news from the moment you heard. You don't even need a degree to share the story of what God has done in your life. True compassion will always find a way to pour out of our lives wherever we're at, in whatever circumstance, in a prison, at the cabin, uh, in summer school, in, in everyday uh, family life, wherever you're at, you are on mission. And we interpret life in terms of the mission that God has entrusted to us. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I'd like to ask you if you could uh, stand with me now.